This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy episode 487 with Stephanie Wilder-Taylor. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 487. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. This episode is supported by Orgain. Orgain is going to help you find the best clean products to keep you healthy and help you maintain your glow from collagen peptide powder to protein powders to bars. And all you need to do to get 20% off your first order is go to tryorgain.com slash shameless. That's tryorgain, O-R-G-A-I-N.com slash shameless. This episode is brought to you by care.com to save 30% off a premium membership. Go to care.com slash shameless mom. Stephanie Wilder Taylor is a shameless mom of three, including twins, and also the author of five books, all related to parenting. So I'm going to read you all five titles because they're going to make you laugh and you deserve a laugh today. So she has written sippy cups are not for Chardonnay. Nap time is the new happy hour. It's not me. It's you. I'm kind of a big deal and gummy bears should not be organic. She previously hosted a show on Nick Mom called Parental Discretion, and she is a podcast host over at For Crying Out Loud and of Board AF and of Rose Pricks. She has three podcasts. <laughs> she also is my writing teacher, so she hosts a writing class twice a week. I am in her Wednesday night class currently, and I've been doing her writing class now for a few months, and I've learned so much about writing. So I came to learn of Stephanie 
In spite of two of her books being about drinking, or at least according to the title, she is actually a recovering alcoholic. She's been sober for 11 years, and she previously hosted a show on Nick Mom called Parental Discretion, and she's a podcast host of three podcasts. So Stephanie is the host. She has co-hosts for all these. So she co-hosts for Crying Out Loud. She co-hosts Board AF, and she co-hosts Rose Pricks. I originally learned of Stephanie through listening to her podcast for crying out loud and just totally fell in love with it because it's like the parenting podcast that's not actually about parenting and mostly is just funny stories, which I love. So that podcast has given me life now since before I started my podcast. This is the very first parenting podcast I listened to, and I'm not sure I will ever have another one that I'm as loyal to. Aside from that, Stephanie has Board AF, where she talks with her co-host about things in Hollywood and experiences in Hollywood. Stephanie has some good Hollywood stories, like she dated Judd Apatow. There's some good stories in there for sure. She used to be great friends with Chelsea Handler. Actually, Chelsea Handler helped host her baby shower for her firstborn. I mean, she's got some good stories. And then she also hosts Rose Pricks. And Rose Pricks is a show that she co-hosts about The Bachelor. So wide range of topics in there. She's kind of a podcasting guru slash badass. On top of that, she's also my writing teacher. So Stephanie hosts a writing class two days a week. I'm currently taking the third round of her writing class since she started offering it virtually. And it's been amazing. I've learned so much about writing, so much about myself as it relates to writing. And I also have had the opportunity to get to know Stephanie a little bit, which is what created this opportunity for her to come on the show and talk to us today. So she's actually been on my dream team guest list for quite some time. And I'll talk about that when we get into our interview in a minute. But I knew that there was like 1 million things I wanted to talk with her about. So we had some fun with this conversation. So listen in to hear Stephanie share the power of writing your stories how she managed postpartum life with postpartum depression and no mom friends, no mom network, why she decided to leave home at a young age to parent herself, how her worry about her child being depressed opened the door to her child coming out as transgender, how to decide what stories to tell and how to consider who you might offend. I've learned so much about this from Stephanie. By the way, go ahead and offend the people. Stephanie and I also talk about why we might have to stop watching Real Housewives. And I understand for some of you, this is in is not important. And for some of us, this is very important. <laughs> like, I'm having a morality check here, and I'm a little bit worried about it. And then she will also talk about why you should be the parent who doesn't email your kids' teachers. This was a fun conversation, and I'm so excited and very honored that Stephanie took the time to be here in the middle of all her busyness and all of her things that she has on her plate. So please join me in welcoming Stephanie Wilder-Taylor to the Shameless Mom Academy. Stephanie Wilder-Taylor, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you, Sarah. It's been a long time coming. I know. Okay, so you don't know this, and I have been so excited to share this with you. Oh, I have a list on my wall of dream podcast guests, and the list has people like Serena Williams and Brene Brown and Oprah. And my husband actually the other day looked at me, and he was like, huh, Oprah. <laughs> He's like, how's that going? So anyway, you're on the list. And you should also know that you're right under Michelle Obama. Oh, my God. So no pressure to bring it. But I just wanted to bring that to your attention. I do feel pressure now. Thank you for that. Thank you for ruining my whole morning by making me feel like I have to live up to some expectation. That's so sweet. I have had this list for a long time and I should tell, I mean, people have heard me talk about this on my show, but 
when I first decided I wanted to have a podcast, I thought, oh, I should like check out who my competitors would be. And I stumbled across, for crying out loud, your show with Lynette Carolla. Mm-hmm. And I started listening to it. And I was like, oh, this is like the only good parenting podcast. <laughs> the others were so boring or so poor quality. And of course, I didn't listen to them all. So I'm sure there was exceptions. But I it was the one that resonated. And I binged and binged and binged. And this was like, I don't know, this would have been five years ago, five or six years ago. And it taught me so much about telling stories and having conversations around parenting and also how I could have a show that could be whatever I want it to be, even if it's in like a category of parenting, it doesn't just have to be like, how to be the best mom ever. And that gave me a ton of permission to move forward with starting my own show. I think that's great. I honestly think that's what Lynette and I were trying to do. And it's funny because when I first started doing the podcast with Lynette and she had a different host, that podcast was trying to be way more informative and, you know, experts and a lot of authors. And I was like, can't we just talk about parenting? <laughs> like, do we have to? Right, right. It just felt like broccoli to me. I was like, why can't we just talk? And the producer wouldn't let Lynette say that she had a nanny. And I was like, who cares? Like, everybody's doing their own thing. Just let us just talk. And we did our own thing. And it seemed to work. It worked so well. And I love I mean, that's I think we all and we're going to talk about storytelling as we get further into this conversation. But I think sometimes we just want to show up and hear stories. We don't always want lessons and advice and three tips to be a better breastfeeder and all of those kinds of things like that can be helpful in certain times and situations. But sometimes we just want like to hear someone else's soap opera of a life. <laughs> I agree. And, you know, when I was writing a book about parenting, I had no idea what I was doing. None. So the only thing that I knew how to do was tell stories. And that's kind of how I wrote my first book, which was kind of supposed to be prescriptive, you know, which means telling people what to do, helpful advice. And it was kind of the opposite. It was like, listen, I'm not giving you advice. I'm just giving you permission to F it up. Yes. So I have to tell people how we've recently been connected because for years it was just me stalking you and listening to the show and binge listening and (laughs) waiting for your Patreon episodes to come out every Wednesday morning. But you've taught writing classes for a number of years now, but you recently, because of the pandemic, started teaching them on Zoom. And I signed up for your writing class a few months ago now, and I'm about to start my third round of it. And it's been so much fun and we've gotten to connect in that way. And so now not only are you like my aspirational podcast host, but you're my writing teacher and people have heard me talk about this on the show and other members of this community have joined the writing class, which is so, so cool and so fun. So I just want people to have all that context to know now when you hear me talk about my writing teacher, it's Stephanie. (laughs) And you are one of my faves. And in fact, to prove that, that's, I'm not just saying that you're such a good writer. I just love your whole voice, your whole vibe. Thank you. You're an easy student because you like to do your best, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Not a nice way of saying you're super type A. You're like, right. This is the theme of my writing, (laughs) being an overachiever. Yeah, but you know, you're really honest about it and in touch and it's, and hilarious. But in fact, we are doing a show, a reading show 
I don't know if this will come out before the reading show, but it's on October 23rd. I know. I'm so excited. Did you forget about that? Oh, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm super excited. By your silence, I was like, oh, she knows. She remembers she's doing it, right? Because she's on the flyer. No, no, no. I remember. That was a good reminder, though, that I need to clean up my piece a little bit because I do have a, my piece that I'm working on for that. But yeah, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. So I was vacillating between whether I should read something or whether I should just like let you guys all read something. But I read this piece about, I don't know if you remember this, the talkies story Yeah, yeah. about my daughter having a play date and giving the kid too many talkies. So I wrote a piece about it for a fundraiser I did, and I'm going to read that piece. Oh, it's such a good story. So I'm going to invite all the For Crying Out Loud people because they all remember when I told that story. That's a good story. So that's how you take a real life event and turn it into a little story. Yes, yes, which is, oh my gosh. And so this has been, I think, learning to write stories. And I've always been someone who likes to tell stories. And I'm sure like my poor friends are sometimes are like, please, not so many details. Like, can you just get to the point? <laughs> but being able to take a story and learn how to use details and tell the story and really lean into the funny parts and the hard parts has been a huge game changer. And I think that it's given me permission to see things in my life through a different lens. But it's also, and you've pushed me on this, it's also created space for me to not just try to make things like cute, funny stories, but lean into the parts that are uncomfortable and where I feel most vulnerable and most pain and like sit in those. And I really don't like doing that. <laughs> you make me do it. Nobody does. But when you do it, be, and the great thing about taking a writing class is that when you do it and you see the reaction you get and people freak out and go, oh my God, that was so good. Or people cry. Yeah. What a feeling, right? To have connected with people in that way. And you can only do that if you can be unfiltered and just, you know, let yourself fail, let yourself, you know, show your weakness. Right, right. One of the things that's happened as I've pushed myself to write more and more into uncomfortable emotions and not just try to make things funny has been that I've it's become really therapeutic and I've been able to connect things and you've seen me do this in different ways. And like one of the stories I've written about is going to Weight Watchers when I was really young, 12 years old, going to Weight Watchers for the first time and kind of what how that connected and still connects to different areas of my life. And it's been amazing in writing into those hard places the how therapeutic it is and how it like allows you to process and make connections over the course of your life where you're like, oh, that story is the reason that I'm weird and neurotic about these other things or that this thing's always hard for me or that I still can't handle being around that person or whatever the situation may be. And that's been super therapeutic. Well, good. I think when I mean, and you know this, when people first sign up for the class, I don't know what, what their expectation is. I don't know because I haven't really taken a lot of other people. I haven't done a lot of research in that area, <laughs> but I never know if people are going to be like, oh my God, what is she asking me to do? I make everybody, as you know, write down some things about themselves that they're either, you know, embarrassed about or, you know, have felt shame around or just wouldn't normally say about themselves because that's the fodder that I want people to use for writing about their lives. And people are always shocked at the things that the other people say, and then it gives them permission to say those things. But then oftentimes later on, something else will come up or you take the class again and you really just try to dive deep and find new stuff. And I'm always shocked 
Like when you told me you went to Weight Watchers as a kid, I was like, you buried the lead, Sarah. <laughs> How did that not come up on your first list? Like, you you know, we forget about stuff. And then you're like, totally. oh, would that be interesting to people? It's like, uh, yeah, it's very interesting. <laughs> That's so true. I know the first round. So the first round, I felt like most of my pieces had a decent amount of humor in them. And then the second round of writing classes, I felt like all my pieces felt much heavier. And I felt like the people in the class, I wanted to give this like little like announcement, like disclaimer. Yeah. Like disclaimer. Yeah. Don't worry guys. I'm actually funny. Just right now I'm not writing about funny things. But you know what? Your writing always comes off as funny. It has humor to it and, you know, perspective and fun and a lightness. And I think you just sometimes get self-conscious and think it doesn't. No, maybe. So I want to know, you've been writing for years and did you start writing when after motherhood or were you a writer before then? So I was a TV writer for a lot of years before I had kids, before I met my husband. I was first, I was a stand-up, but I really liked writing better. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. But I'd never written anything long form before. I wrote a lot of jokes. I wrote for, you know, really quick host copy. Like I wrote for Whose Line Is It Anyway? Oh, my gosh. And which is an improv show. And I wrote, you know, stuff for the host to say when he came back from a commercial. So when I had a baby, I felt really lonely and like, oh, my God, I was so used to have being in an office and, you know, making jokes with people 
So I was like, what am I going to do with myself? Like, I want to express myself, but you know, I'm not, I wasn't going to like sit down and write a book. So I started a blog and that's how everything started because I started a blog and then I ended up getting a book deal from having a blog. And that's how I really got practice, like writing longer form things. And I got this book deal and then I suddenly I had to write a book of all long like long chapters, long stories. I was all self-taught. Let's just say that. And tell me about your entrance into motherhood and how did your, because I sense that (laughs) motherhood being different than you expected it to be was the inspiration for your writing and created that place for you to tell stories in bigger ways and more impactful ways and, and be in touch with all of everything that comes with motherhood. So I had this baby and I was never a thousand percent on board with Mm. having kids. That's just the truth. I just, I was like, you know, I mean, I think I want to, but I had this therapist. I kept asking her like, how do I know like if I should have kids or not? Cause I don't really know if I want them. And she's like, we just do it. (laughs) Like most people don't know for sure. I mean, I was like, well, a lot of people like they can't wait to have a baby. And she's like, yeah. And a lot of people just get pregnant. (laughs) Just get pregnant. (laughs) So I took that as permission to, you know, not be sure. But then, you know, when you're pregnant, there's so much energy around pregnant women and, oh, you're pregnant and wait till you have that baby and you're never going to go no love like this. And I had no mom friends. So I was only dealing with other like troubled comedians who were not interested in you know, marriage or babies and looked at me like I had an alien growing inside of me. And those were my friends. So, you know, once I had a baby, it was extremely lonely. I literally knew no one. The only person I knew who had a baby at the same time as I did was the wife of a guy who was my writing partner at the Hollywood Squares. So I sat in an office with this guy and he was the funniest, most sarcastic guy. And his wife was super sweet and nice. And I was friends with him. (laughs) But I found myself calling her, you know, to go, oh, my God. Well, first of all, I immediately had postpartum and didn't know because I had no friends to tell me like it's really hard. So I would sometimes call her and try to fish around to see how it was going for her. And she'd say, oh, it's perfect. And I was like, well, I'm going to kill myself. So I'm glad it's perfect for you. I remember being so negative I remember one time my husband had this friend come over and he was like, oh my God, this is so great. You guys are a family now. And I kind of snapped at him, you know, because I was having a terrible time of it. And I said, well, we were a family before. We didn't need to have a baby to make us a family. And then later his friend left and John said, wow, you're just really negative, which of course made it a hundred times worse. I'm like, (laughs) that always just snaps you right out of it, right? Yeah, it was so helpful. I was like, oh, that's the problem. Okay, let me just have a change my mental attitude about it. So the thing is, I started blogging and my idea of blogging was just to be honest about my feelings. So I wrote this blog post called The Cult of Mommy and it was about how miserable I was and how, but I was also, I'm a comedian, so I was being funny about it. So I talked about how, you know, a big outing for me now is going to Target and everybody has like bangs and blue eyeshadow, like what happens after you have kids? Like that's all you care about is what bib to buy (laughs) and diapers. And I don't care about that stuff any more than I cared about it when I was a comedian. Like why am I suddenly supposed to be 
super into all things mommy. And I wrote this blog post and I talked about it being a cult and how, you know, but you can't get anything out of it, like uh, acting parts like you can in Scientology. I negatively compared it to Scientology. Like, at least you can get acting work if you're a Scientologist. That's amazing. FaceTime with Tom Cruise. I can't remember exactly. But anyway, I got a book deal off of that blog post. And I also made connections with other moms who felt the same way I did. And that has been the theme of everything for me is how telling the truth. That's how you find like-minded people. That's how you feel better. It's in the Me Too and not the hashtag Me Too movement. But it's in finding other people who feel the same way you do gives you permission to have those feelings and makes you feel not alone. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that's even better. I mean, I would say that in the writing class too, like hearing other people share their stories. And you mentioned this earlier, gives me permission to tap into things that I haven't otherwise tapped into or places I haven't allowed myself to go and at other times in my life, which I think is really powerful. And I think that in motherhood, we don't know that we need connection until we haven't had it and then we find it and then it's like oxygen. And so I had that in joining a parenting group and I was like, I thought I was doing fine, even though I hated a whole bunch of things, like almost all the things in motherhood, but early mm-hmm. on, but then I joined this parenting group reluctantly because I had to take a shower to go to the meetings. And when I got there, I was like, oh my gosh, like I have people now. And that changed everything. And it added to, like you said, this layer of permission where I was like, oh, like it's okay to hate breastfeeding. It's okay to be frustrated with my partner. It's okay if this is not living up to what I thought it was going to be. Like all of a sudden that was, it just shifted everything for me. It's really important. And it's important that we get an identity as I know is exactly your whole theme of what you do. But the piece of like when I had a baby and people just wanted to call me Elby's mom mm. when I first had a baby, I couldn't stand it. I was like, why? I'm no longer a person. Like all I am now, I've been, you know, relegated to somebody's mom. Right, right. And I really fought against that. I just wanted my own identity. And I'm glad I fought for it because, you know, that's, I ended up getting a better life than I had before. Right. Yeah, for sure. This episode is brought to you by my very own Tenacious Mamas Business and Leadership Mastermind. So you probably have heard me talking the last couple of weeks about my last workshop of 2020, which was last week, my Tenacious Mamas Business and Leadership Workshop, where I talked about how to step into your shoes as CEO, how to build your business on a really firm foundation, not on Jenga blocks, and how to avoid some of the really most common pitfalls of entrepreneurship that I've seen over and over in my 17 years of building three businesses. So that workshop happened last week. And what happened after that is that I had a bunch of people reach out and say, oh my gosh, I missed the workshop or I couldn't come live. Is there a way for me to get the replay, the recording? The answer is yes. So here's the deal. If you want that workshop because you want the content about business building and you want to know a little bit about how I've done business over the years in order to build successful businesses and the pitfalls I've avoided, we can send you that replay. At the end of the recording, at the end of the workshop, there's also an invitation to apply for my Tenacious Mamas Business and Leadership Mastermind. This is a six-month program. So the Tenacious Mamas Business and Leadership Mastermind is for women who are looking to either start a business. So maybe you've had like a burning inkling and you've been thinking like, I don't know if I'm ready. 
I don't know if I'm qualified. So yes, you're ready. Yes, you're qualified. I will help you with all of that. Or it's also for mamas who already have a business that they want to grow. And maybe they things have happened in this pandemic that have made it tricky, or you're just in this position where you're like, let's do this. Like, let's take this to the next level. So if you are ready to start your own business or grow and scale your existing business, or you want to up level or advance your professional growth over the next six months, maybe you want to dig into mindset work in order to increase your confidence and leadership skills. Maybe you just need some connection and opportunity to brainstorm and mastermind with like-minded, ambitious, unapologetic mamas. Maybe you want to integrate and implement strategic action steps to reach your goals. And maybe you want to receive some accountability to take action in your business. I know that's always helpful for me. Then Tenacious Mamas is probably a next great, amazing step for you. So during the six months of Tenacious Mamas, we cover a number of things. We start with your CEO framework. So we build out your CEO framework, which really gives you a solid foundation from which you can build a business, a company, and really step into the role of leader in your company. From there, we talk about filling your funnel, creating your sales funnel, and building that out building out your email list, your client list, finding your super fans, how to get people engaged in your business and lining up for your services. We talk about brand development and social media for business growth. We talk about content marketing and content calendar planning. And we also talk about launching and speaking and podcasting and all these ways that you can build a business in a really firm foundation, even in a pandemic. So if any of this sounds appealing to you and you want that replay, go ahead and just shoot us an email. This is old school, so prepare yourself. You're gonna just shoot us an email at info at shamelessmom.com and we will send you that recording. And we'll also send you, if you're interested, you can also get the application for the Tenacious Mama's Business and Leadership Mastermind. So the next six month program starts in November. We're accepting applications right now. And this program, oh, it's so close to my heart because I've seen women do such amazing things. So just in the last few months, just in 2020 alone, we have had members of our program write books. We've actually had three members write books. We've had three or four start a podcast. We've had people grow multifaceted agencies and consultancies within their strength set, their skill set. So we have someone who's built a social media company. We have someone else building an HR consultancy. We've had people get products into retail stores. We have had mamas get into new gigs speaking and getting on stages. We've had people build health coaching businesses. We've had people break records selling on Etsy. We've had people leading virtual and live retreats for the first time. I mean, the list goes on and on and on in terms of what can be done in six months if you show up and you're accountable and you're invested in learning in a community. So if any of this sounds compelling, even if you're a little bit nervous, if this sounds, if you're equal parts nervous and excited, and this sounds like it could be up your alley, please reach out to us, shoot an email over to info at shamelessmom.com. And we can go ahead and get that recording out to you, that application out to you. We're taking applications this week only. So do not wait. Email us at info at shamelessmom.com. So I want to talk a little bit about how you've parented differently than you were parented, because I think this is a really interesting thing. And I think we probably all do this to some extent, but you were parented really, really differently than the way you're parenting. And so can you talk a little bit about how you were parented and the choices that you've made that are different than that and all around that? Well, I was parented at a time, I'm not even sure if my parents were, well, my husband says my mom's a total narcissist and, and she is, but it was also a time where, you know, there was no helicopter parenting. Like you let your kids do lots of stuff, which I think is fine. And I think a certain amount of that is okay. But I was also, I think I was 
you know, it was also neglectful for me when I was a kid. I mean, I just don't think anybody was really looking out for my well-being and nobody cared about my feelings. And it's not that I needed like Dr. Phil to be my dad, but I needed somebody to like when I was saying I was being bullied at school, I needed somebody to listen and not just, you know, dismiss everything that was going on with me. I remember I got migraine headaches as a kid. Nobody really cared. I mean, I was miserable and trying to come home from school all the time because I was in pain and all of those things. And just my stepfather would go long periods of time without speaking to me if he was mad. My mom would sometimes ice me out for, you know, a day or two. I just can't imagine doing that with my daughter. I just can't imagine taking things out like my personal issues out on my kids. And I work really hard to look at my part all the time as often as I can, because I'm definitely not perfect. And I spend too much time on my phone. And I have lots of things that distract me from, you know, just sitting with my kids and being with them. But I try, you know, I try to set aside time and actually spend time with them and listen to them. Mm -hmm. Well, and when you talk about I've heard you talk about this on your show before. So you were not listened to and not seen to the extent that you ended up leaving home at a really young age to just like, it was an easier option to just go parent yourself. Yeah. So I think that it wasn't like that you weren't heard kind of sometimes. It's like you weren't heard or seen at all. And it felt like a better option to just go manage yourself all on your own. So can you talk a little bit about leaving and what that was like? Well, I decided, I'm trying to think when, that I didn't want to go to college. And the main reason I didn't want to go to, well, I had horrible grades. But I was able to get into UMass based on my SAT scores, things were not as pressurized as they are now. (laughs) But the idea, I had only moved to Massachusetts when I was like in junior and high school. So I didn't really feel any ties to Massachusetts. And I was so unhappy at home that I just thought, you know what, maybe I need to just not go to college and just get out of here. And so that's what I did. And I noticed after I moved out, I kept thinking maybe I'd still go to college. I didn't want to be like a total loser. Spoiler alert, I never ended up going to college. But I do remember feeling such relief about not being in my house anymore. And I was surprised because, you know, you get a little brainwashed and you think like maybe it's me. Maybe there's something wrong with me. But all of a sudden I was like, oh, my God, I don't cry every day. Mm. I'm not miserable. And it was hard. But and I had to learn to be on my own and, you know, get a job and you know, make my own money and buy my own toilet paper. But I think it was really the best thing for me. Yeah. And the contrast to that is how you have parented, I think, I mean, your children. Well, I don't know. I mean, so I guess you should tell everyone how old your children are, because I was going to say they're not old enough to leave home and parent themselves. But I don't know. Oh, God, maybe your oldest would think otherwise. So how old are your three kids? So I have my oldest is LB and she's 15. She'll be 16 next month. And then Sadie and Xander are twins and they're 12 and they'll be 13 next month. Okay. So the contrast is that your parents didn't listen to you to the point that you were wanting to leave and just take care of yourself. And that seemed like the best option. And one of the things that really attracted me to your show for crying out loud and that really got me sucked in was the way that I saw and heard you and Lynette listening to your children and you continue to do this and this is it's so funny because you both have this really self-deprecating way of talking about like well this show is not about parenting advice but when you tell stories about how you parent 
many of which are very funny and entertaining, what comes through is what amazing listeners you are, how clearly and conscientiously you listen to your kids and you really, really see your kids. Both of you do that. And that I think for me, when I started listening five years ago, that was something that really sucked me in. And I started listening to the show at a time when your daughter, so your oldest daughter, LB, had been, you were making some references to her having gone through some struggles with anxiety, which was really fascinating to me as someone who's had anxiety since a really young age. And I thought, oh my gosh, like, what if my mom could have recognized this in me and like I could have gotten some help around this at a younger age, what would that have done to my life? And my mom certainly was did her very best to listen, but just didn't see that in me. And nor did I see it in myself till, you know, much older in adulthood. So that sucked me in. And then you also had one of your children was going through some questioning around identity at a really young age and gender at a really young age. And you were also really there to like to listen to all of that and just to be there to listen and hear your kids out and see what they were doing and be really connected to whatever they needed, even if it was hard or uncomfortable. And I think that that's like, that's parenting. It's not necessarily about like how many minutes of screen time and how many grams of protein for breakfast and like all those kinds of things. I think it's the listening in the scene. Well, thanks, Sarah. And I, I mean, I attribute part of that to just, you know, being open-minded and, you know, and I was brought up in a pretty open-minded household, even if there were some other not so great things about it. But it's not to say that it doesn't, it's not scary too. Like, I don't want anybody to think that that stuff, like, you know, I had a lot, people think it's just like a miss, I don't know if it's a misnomer or a misunderstanding about like trans kids. Like it makes me so mad when people think, oh, you know, kids are on a bandwagon, like, oh, it's trendy. It's like until, unless you've experienced that yourself and see the pain it causes your kid, you know, I just think a good parent will do anything to, you know, help get their kid out of pain. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. It's like, I didn't know anything about gender issues. I'm not some specialist. But yeah, when your kid's unhappy, the whole way that I found out that my kid was trans was because I thought he was depressed. So that's how that came out. Like, yes, my kid had been gender nonconforming. And I always just thought like, oh, that's cool. You know, just like boy stuff. Like it's cool. It's tomboy. I never experienced that before, but cool. And then as you might remember, I don't know if you were listening to the show back in these days, but Lynette and I would have people on that would give us advice. Bad advice turns out like we had some parenting experts and I would always ask them about Xander. I'd always say like, oh, I have this kid who only wears boy clothes, like refuses to wear anything else ever since the time that I bought him boy clothes. That was it. Like never put on anything pink, no princesses, no nothing. And they would always be like, oh, it's just a phase. So, you know, I guess you would say comforted myself with the idea that it was a phase. And I spent a lot of time thinking about it and worrying about it. But, and I would ask him about it. It's not that I didn't bring it up, but he would say, no, 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 I'm just, I'm a girl who only likes boy things. So I would go like, okay, there you go, done. And felt like I didn't really have to deal with it. It was only when my kids started to show signs of what I saw as depression that I felt like I had to really investigate further. And that's when I found out that it was really, there was a lot of pain around, you know, his gender and the misunderstanding that he was a girl. And it was hard. Like, I don't want anyone to think that when you're dealing with something like that on that kind of level with your kid that you're just like, 
Oh, cool. Oh, you're trans. Great. That's so trendy right now. I can't wait to tell all my friends that I've got like that. We're on, you know, we're trendy, just trendy California people. It's like, no, it's (laughs) hard and you cry and you don't know what to do and you seek advice and you deal with experts and you know, it's a a word I don't like. It's a journey. (laughs) It's been a huge journey and listening to it over the years has been really, really heartening and really powerful. And I think that this is what I think of when we look at parenting and when we look at stories that all of our kids have stories. And one of the things Stephanie and I talked about in our pre-interview, I said, we're not going to talk about the specifics of Xander's story because that's his story. But I said, you know, when it comes to parenting a child or parenting a transgender child, we have all of these stories. And I think that it's in sharing these stories that we can, there's the opportunity to make so many connections and create a space for compassion and empathy. And I think that when I heard you talking about what your family was going through as you navigated Xander growing through this process, it opened my eyes in so many ways. And I thought, I wonder, and I've thought given this so much, so I live in Seattle, so super, super liberal, super open and similar to LA. And so I thought, I wonder what my thought around gender identity would be if I hadn't heard this story kind of from beginning until present day. And if I would be as open as I am to children having a pretty deep understanding of their gender at a really young age. And what's been eye-opening to me is having conversations with people who have not had the opportunity to hear a specific story or hear someone else's journey, that they are much more skeptical. And sometimes even people who really want to learn and understand are really close-minded and fearful. And for me, in hearing the way that you've navigated the story, uh, Xander's story, and the way that you've decided to walk through it, it's made it like so incredibly clear to me that that we need to listen to children when they say they feel one way or another about whether it's about their emotions, their mental health, their gender, their sexual identity, like all the things we just need to listen. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought provoking experts and friends at Mindful Mama. We know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. Well, I've given it a lot of thought too. And I have to say that as open-minded as I am, 
and I'm super liberal, always have been. I think if this hadn't happened to, well, like it happened to me, it certainly didn't happen to me. It's my child's. But if I hadn't had a child and gone through this, I would have thought like, oh my God, how can they know that young? I would have had those same thoughts because it does seem really foreign. And that's my whole thing is like, that's why I try to emphasize that no parent is like, oh, great choice. Let's do that (laughs) for their kid. Because we see how hard, you know, going to be a hard path, a really hard path. Nobody wants to have to, you know, go through anything just to be who they gender they are. Right. So I actually have empathy for people who say like, I can't, that seems strange. And that is why I have been more open about it. Because I do want people to see that like, these are just normal kids. Yeah. When you decide to tell stories and share stories, how do you decide what is for public consumption? like what goes into a book. And this is actually something we've, and I I should use myself as an example. So in our writing class, we, and this has happened to me and to other people where we'll say like, well, I want to write this thing. But like, you know, if my mom were to hear it, her feelings would be so hurt. Or if my sister were to hear, like everyone has their example of like, I don't want to hurt someone's feelings by writing this story. And you have really great advice around that. And so I'm curious and go ahead and share what you tell us in class. But then also I'm curious how you decide like what you're going to share on your podcast or what you decided to put in your books and where those boundaries lie. Well, for one thing, remember when Laura came to visit our class and she I think it was. Yes. Shout out to Laura Cathcart Robbins, who we all know and adore here in the Shameless Mom Academy. (laughs) Sure do. I love her. But she said, and I believe it's an Anne Lamott quote that was like, hey, if you didn't want me to write it about you, you should have behaved better, (laughs) which I really, that's kind of my, look, I am careful about, even when I was writing about having a baby, somehow I sensed enough, even though I was not an experienced memoir writer, but I sensed enough to not like, I think I did not use her name even once because at some point I was like, she's going to be old enough that like, she might not appreciate that. Now, like, and this is like a complicated topic. I'll, the short answer is like, I won't write about Xander anymore. And I wouldn't write a book about him, even though so many people were like, oh, you should write a book about, you know, parenting a trans kid and, you know, more power to the parents that have. And it's helped me. But it's his story. To me, that's crossing such a huge line. He's only 12 years old. At the time, people were asking me to write it. He was like nine. It's I'm never going to do that. Unless he was older and thought it would be helpful to people and gave me permission. Otherwise, I don't, I think talking about it on a podcast is different because it's a very transient medium. You know, it goes behind a paywall within like a month on podcast one, at least. And then that's it. It's kind of gone in my mind, even though I still wouldn't talk about something that was super private to him. Now, when it comes to like my mother or stepfather, you know, I did write stories that in, well, I wrote stories about my real father, but he died. So that's fine. He's never going to read it. And if I wrote about my mother or stepfather, I just tried to keep it from my perspective and not just write about them being bad people. You know what I mean? I tried to talk about like what experience I had and then people can determine for themselves if they feel like, you know, it's a parenting issue. Right. I think that has been a great lesson from you. And Laura spoke to that as well, that you get to own your experiences and other people may be offended by the way you talk about them. And that's yeah on them and not on you. And that doesn't, 
like, well, first of all, you don't need someone else's permission to talk about it, your experiences. But also if someone else is offended, like you're not responsible. If you've told the story in a way that's responsible in terms of it's your authentic experience and it's true to you, then you don't need to be apologetic about it potentially upsetting someone else. This episode is supported by a new sponsor, Orgain. I'm so excited about Orgain because you know that I'm always working on staying healthy in order to keep my energy up and just feel my best. And like health has been a cornerstone of my life for so long. So a specific product I have been trying to research and figure out to bring into my life has been collagen peptides. And this reason this is important to me is because after the age of 30, you lose 1% of your collagen every year. And I don't want that to happen because collagen helps with strengthening your hair and your nails, and it can support healthy bones and joints. So I have gone down so many research rabbit holes around collagen and I'm so excited that I finally found Orgain Collagen Peptides Powder. So with Orgain's Collagen Peptide Powder, you can mix it right in your drink. It's odorless and tasteless, so you can mix it into any recipe. I love adding it to coffee. Super, super simple. And I'm very excited because Orgain only uses the cleanest, highest quality ingredients that are hand-picked for maximum nutrition. But here's the other thing. On top of collagen, they also have a whole product line of other kinds of products like protein powders and bars. And they even have kids powders and bars, which I love. And because let's be honest, my kid needs some high protein snacks like all the time instead of just having pretzels, which is his preference. The other thing I'm really excited about, though, is when I went to place my order recently, I saw that they have peppermint hot cocoa coming out that is a protein hot cocoa. I am all in on this. So when you go to place your order on their site, you can actually go ahead and also sign up to get the organic protein peppermint hot cocoa when it launches. It's a limited time option. So this is like what I'm really most fired up about besides my collagen. So here's what you can do to get some Orgain in your life. I am so excited that I finally found the best clean products to keep me healthy and maintain my glow. And right now, my friends at Orgain are going to give you 20% off your first order. Plus, when you subscribe, you can save even more. So go to tryorgain.com slash shameless. That's T-R-Y-O-R-G-A-I-N.com slash shameless for 20% off your first order plus extra savings when you subscribe. Again, that's tryorgain.com slash shameless. I think you have to tell certain stories. Otherwise, you know, if you constantly worry about, well, what is somebody going to think? That's called being codependent and you're not going to be a great writer that way. I mean, right. stories involve other people. Other people are assholes and deserve to be called out sometimes. And, you know, <laughs> it's our job. I mean, I always say my advice is always like, don't write if you're writing because you have a vendetta. Right, right. Don't write at people. Don't write to like, you know, because you're mad and you're trying to process your anger. That's why I suggest people don't write about things that make them really upset about what somebody else has done unless it's been a long time since it happened. Right. So you teach people how to write through your writing class, but you also have, we've been, talked a lot about for crying out loud because that's where I fell in love, Stephanie. Aww. But you also have another podcast. And can you talk a little bit about that podcast? Because you're storytelling in like multiple places now. So, I mean, you're teaching storytelling, but then you also have multiple. Actually, you don't, I was thinking of Bored AF, but you have three podcasts, don't you? I do. So Bored AF came out of the fact that I have this friend named Cecily, Cecily Nobler, and she's super hilarious comedian. She's single. She's my age, but she's like still in the dating scene. And we just thought it would be so fun to have a podcast kind of from that perspective. You know, I get tired of talking about like parenting at a certain point. So this is like all 
kind of fun stories about, you know, back when I was dating different comedians, it's kind of gossipy. We talk about all the things that we distract ourselves with. Cecily loves personality tests. She's always taking new personality tests and turning me on to them. We talk about different TV shows and our feelings about them, movies. She's an accomplished movie reviewer. She's a film critic. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So do you, when you were talking about dating, I have had this experience of having single friends and being a little bit jealous. <laughs> I've been like, oh, like you just live by yourself? What is that like? <laughs> so I'm curious if this is something between you and Cecily where she's like, wow, you get to cuddle with all these kids at night and you're like, oh my God, you live alone? <laughs> yes, that's the best part of it. But I have to say that it gives, when I hear a lot of her stories, oh God, it gives me actual appreciation. <laughs> right, right, that you don't have to be out there. <laughs> dating during COVID for my sexless marriage. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Okay. And then you have one other podcast and this one, I've never listened to this one, but I think there's people who will be very excited about it. Okay. That's fine. Okay. So I have a podcast called Rose Pricks and Rose Pricks is, I've been doing this podcast where we make fun of the bachelor for years, but I had a different co-host named Ronnie Karam, who is hilarious and I love him so much, but he got too busy to do it. So I hired my friend, Angel Lakita Moore, who's a black woman, and she's also hilarious in a different way. And so now we've recorded two episodes. So far, we've just made fun of the cast of we've made fun of Claire's guys. And I used to work with her. I had a TV show briefly, and she was like a, you know, man on the street. And she was a big part of my TV show. So it's really fun to kind of be reunited with her and make fun of these people. And I just think it's time to have a black host for a show like this that like, you know, doesn't seem to love black people as much as they should. Exactly. It's funny because so I don't listen to that podcast because I don't watch The Bachelor because here's the problem. I'm very invested in Real Housewives. And it's all I can do, especially in a pandemic to keep up with Real Housewives. And right now I'm way behind. And so I feel like I can't also invest in The Bachelor. But I feel like there's an entire world that I'm missing out on that might feed my soul and in ways that are like that go against my ethics and my core values. <laughs> and well, I found that this season, the Real Housewives have gone against my ethics and core values. And I'm trying to like, May, I don't, you know, have a reckoning about that. I don't know what the term would be, but I don't think I can keep watching The Real Housewives. I think Andy Cohen sucks. Mm -hmm. I think some of these women are such bad people. I think the way that The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, which is, you know, practically my hometown, even though I don't live in Beverly Hills, I live in Encino, but I still feel like, you know, I might run into these. I've run into Kyle at the grocery store. So yeah. And our kids were in like a theater company together at the same time. Anyway, my point is like you would think I'd relate to these women, but they're so horrible. Yeah. I hate the way they act. I hate the way they behave. I just feel bad giving them my viewership. Not that they care. This is so interesting that you bring this up. So because of COVID and not having a moment to myself since March, I haven't had time to keep up with Real Housewives. And so in the last like six weeks or something. I started watching Beverly Hills way behind when it actually aired. And having gone through the pandemic and then being in the middle of a cultural, well, I make it sound like it's over. We're still in the pandemic and we're still in the middle of this cultural revolution. Being in all that and watching Real Housewives and maybe it's just Beverly Hills, but my perspective has shifted. 
And there's a grossness to it that is very hard to swallow. <laughs> and because the privilege, which like previously the privilege was entertaining to me. And now the privilege that they seem to have no awareness of is real gross. And so I understand the reckoning that you're feeling that you might need to have because I'm feeling it too. And I'm not sure what to do about it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, why am I watching this? And then there's also the side and, you know, Cecily and I have talked about this a lot on board AF, but watching the New York housewives, there's so many of them are drunk all the time. And I'm a sober person, been sober 11 years. And that's just, it's hard to, it's hard. It's not triggering. So don't get me wrong. It's not like, oh my God, that makes me want to drink. It just makes me sad for these people. And it makes me feel like we're celebrating this and acting like it's all a big joke that somebody who, you know, you have like Leah, who I don't know if you caught up on the New York. I haven't watched New York, but I know enough because I read enough of people.com <laughs> to know what's going on. So I haven't, I'm not caught up though. So Leah wrote an article a while ago, a long time ago, talking about how she suffers from bipolar disorder. And, you know, so watching somebody get really drunk every week. And by the way, Leah is one of my favorite, what turned out to be one of my favorites on the show. So, but you got Sonia who just was drinking out of control. I don't know. I just feel like, is this really, why am I entertained? Yeah. Why is this entertainment? This is real people's lives and they're really drunk and they really are like hurting themselves. I don't know. I started to go, this isn't fun. I'm not having fun. Right. I watch it and then I have a bad feeling about myself and I need a silkwood shower. <laughs> this episode is supported by care.com as the world's largest online destination for finding and managing family care. Care.com helps millions of families find high quality care for their children, aging loved ones, home and pets. So we know that you are wearing multiple hats right now and you might need an extra hand and you can find trusted and reliable people to help you at care.com. I'm always encouraging you to outsource the things that you can and get the support that you need. And care.com can be such a valuable group of resources, whether you are looking for reliable sitters or nannies or a housekeeper or a dog walker, there's a lot of options. No matter kind of where you stand on COVID, you might not want someone in your house. That's fine. But could someone help you with stuff outside of your house in terms of running errands or walking the dog? They can do so many, so many things. And so depending on your level of comfort with people in your household right now, how can care.com support you? On top of that, this is a platform for finding senior care. And like I said, errand running landscapers and additional services like tutoring and special needs care. Care.com has the largest selection of local caregivers and they give you easy ways to find, manage, and pay for care with their tools and information that guide families through the hiring process, through reviews and background checks, and help you get everything set up with their home pay system that helps manage payroll and taxes and all of the stuff. So I want you to check out care.com and see if you could get some support to make your life a little less hectic, especially as we get closer to the holiday season. And care.com has a premium membership. So this is the one that I have, and I love it because it comes with extra benefits. So you can get a premium membership for 30% off when you go to care.com 
dot com slash shameless mom or use the promo code shameless mom. So you're going to go to care.com slash shameless mom or use the promo code shameless mom. And then you'll be able to get that 30% off that premium membership, which is going to give you an even higher level of access to information about caregivers and special access to background checks, reviews, qualification, certifications, all those kinds of things to make you feel really confident about the decisions you're making around caregivers for you and for your family members. So go to care.com slash shameless mom. And I totally appreciate that. And it's funny in what I've heard about the most recent season of New York and alcohol. And I've just had this very, you know, evolving relationship with how I see the culture around alcohol and women. And so that has been something I've been noticing as well. I haven't watched this recent season, but I've heard that's a big thing that the, you know, like if we're just watching women get drunk together all the time, like, again, what is this doing for us? Is it really contributing to anything great? And is it really empowering women in any way? Like there's other ways to be entertained that aren't actually like threatening women's health and mental health and making it seem like this is a way to have fun when it actually is, can be really so damaging. Well, and don't get me wrong because, you know, you and I, I don't want to say we differ in this way, but I am not trying to be aspirational (laughs) or inspirational or any inspiration at all. I have never said like, do as I do or, and I don't care. Like if people drink, that's their business. It's more like just the, I don't think we need to celebrate though. Mm, Yeah. And make women think like, Hey, everybody's doing this people that actually have a problem. And I'm not diagnosing people. I'm talking about people who are have been sober in the past or gotten arrested. Luann, I'm looking at you. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. I think there's a big difference between, you know, being the alcohol police and being like, oh, I don't think women shouldn't drink that much. It's like, I don't care. I don't care what you do. If you're fine, if you don't have a problem with it, you're not endangering yourself or others. Yeah, I totally hear what you're saying. I know. So I like for a long time have really embraced that this is like the thing about this is where I let loose with Real Housewives and I might have to shift in 2021. (laughs) Maybe I need to shift to The Bachelor. I think that's what this all comes down to. Maybe I need to graduate from Real Housewives to The Bachelor. The thing I like about The Bachelor is it's so ridiculous that it's just you it's easy to make fun of because these people are barely real people and they're all there for the Instagram likes. <laughs> That's all they care about. So I don't really have to worry about people's feelings. It's just it's gross people. We know they're all trash bags and it's fun. It makes it more <laughs> fun for me. I love it. Okay. So I want to know what Can you give us like one nugget before we leave and let us know how you're currently showing up as a shameless mom? So anything you want to say about parenting, how you're a shameless mom right now and currently or over the last handful of years to help us all be inspired. This is your moment, Stephanie, to inspire us all. (laughs) This is my moment to inspire. Oh, well, you know how I'm showing up for my kids is by not carrying out every four seconds because I'm a person who would love to be writing emails to teachers all the time if I could, because it makes me somehow it scratches some itch where I feel like I'm controlling what's happening a little bit. I have some and I can't control it. So I've been practicing just going, wow, that sounds hard. And I told my daughter, the one who's almost 16, who was having problems. I was like, you should write a letter to your counselor. I love it. 
But the shame part of it is just that I really, really have the urge to go, let me write her. What's your counselor's email address? I'm going to tell her. Her chemistry teacher is mean. This isn't fair. Yeah. And I'm curious, as a quick follow-up question, having a background as a writer, I think, makes one prone to want to write emails and word things in like get witty and clever and like, I'm going to just really like sucker punch him here, but then make him cry there. <laughs> yes. And they're going to love me because they're going to be like, oh my God, she said this in such a nice way. Like she wasn't aggress- aggressive, not like some of these other parents. Right. Right. She's not like those parents. Yeah. Yeah. I find myself. But you know what? We are because we all know too many teachers and any teacher will tell you like, please don't do that. <laughs> yes. Yes, I totally hear you. I'm like having to hold myself back on writing emails. And luckily, I have enough parents in my so I'm on the parent association board this year at my son's school. And I have enough other enough other parents telling me that they're sending emails all the time that it really keeps me in check because I'm like, Oh, I already know that mom sent like three emails today. I'm not going to add to that teacher's load. So I feel like that helps. Right? Like, that's my advice. Be the one who doesn't write emails. They know. The teachers know, they already know what's going wrong. That's how I'm going to shine. They're going to be like, oh my God, today's another day that I did not get an email from Stephanie. Yep. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. Tell people where they can find you, where they can listen to your shows and all that good stuff. Okay. My podcast, Board AF, and it's on wherever you get your podcasts and for crying out loud, as maybe you already know, and oh, Rose Pricks. And oh, and look for Sarah, I'm going to make you put out a link for our online storytelling show. Perfect. We'll do. Which is on October 23rd at 7 p.m. Pacific time. It's virtual, a virtual storytelling show that you are in. I'll send you the link. It's going to be amazing. I made it myself on Canva. Look at you in Canva. I'm so impressed. It was hard. It cost a dollar. <laughs> Way to invest in your business, Stephanie. I'm very impressed. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. I learned from you. You're always like, you got to be a better businesswoman. And I'm trying. I know. I'm like, here's how you need to promote your writing class and also charge twice as much. (laughs) Which I did not do, but I did go up a little. You're working your way up. You're working your way up. Stephanie, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you so much. I've just loved learning from you in so many ways. And I know you don't set out to inspire, but you totally inspire me. So I'm grateful for the time you spent. (laughs) Oh, you inspire me. Thank you. You do. Okay. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Quick reminder before you get on with your day, if you listened to what I had to say about Tenacious Mamas, my business and leadership mastermind, and you were at all interested in getting in on that workshop recording or the application process, please shoot us an email at info at shamelessmom.com and we will get right back to you with all the goodies that you need so that you can learn more about my Tenacious Mamas program. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode 
episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom and Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health.